Well, good evening, people of Mosaic. Welcome in, welcome in. As you're grabbing your coffee, we just wanna invite you in. And if you found yourself sitting behind the banners, we just also wanna invite you to sit on up here. Hey, let's stand and worship tonight as we worship a God who is joyful. is Nick, and uh, I get the joy of being a part of this Fellowship Mosaic team. Um, my, my focus is I get to help lead the staff team, focus on preaching and teaching and working with Rogers groups, and uh, I'm just excited to be here. God is good. It's Christmas time, and I just had 15 ounces of coffee, so I am ready to go. Hey, um, 
if you are new, we would love to connect with you uh, in a more personal way and help you help just welcome you into this family. We are a family of people who love Jesus and know that sin has messed us up and we're broken, but Jesus loves us anyway. We matter to him. And so through these stories of what God's doing to heal broken people, he's putting together a beautiful picture of who he is in our lives. That's why we're called Fellowship Mosaic, because we want to be an image of that to our community. And we would love to get to know you and welcome you into that. So there's two ways you can do it. One, um, you can scan uh, this code and it'll take you. You can text the number if you want and somebody will reach out to you and, and help you get connected. Or if you want to do something more personal tonight, two options. One, you could go out in the foyer after service and there'll be somebody out there who would love to meet you face to face and help you get connected. Or if you're even more bold, just Look around the room, find someone who looks less lost than you feel and go say, I'm lost and I want to be found. And what's gonna happen is they're gonna tell you about Jesus and try to get you converted. But um, either way, we'd love to get to know you and connect and help you become part of our family. Hey, Christmas is coming up. And so we wanna let you know about how we're gonna worship together this Christmas season. Guess what? Christmas falls on a Saturday this year. So we're gonna honor Jesus by canceling worship, right? No, we're gonna have a mosaic Christmas together. We're really excited about it. The way we're gonna do that is we're gonna gather just at five o'clock. There won't be a 6.30 service on Christmas day and there won't be separate children's worship time. So we're all gonna be in this room at five o'clock on Christmas day. So we would just be delighted. It's gonna be a laid back time to sing about the good news that Jesus came. And so we'd be delighted, delighted if after you've had some of your Christmas festivities and such, if you want to come worship with us on Christmas day. The night before is Christmas Eve, and Christmas Eve services work a little bit differently. We have them running kind of throughout the day. You can see the times on the screen. Um, we have some that are more family-oriented, more oriented toward kids and fun and silliness and celebrating in that way. And so those are going to be at 3, 4, and 5. And then a more traditional service that's going to look a little bit more like a, a, a candlelight type. We can't do candles because they melt wax on the floor, but that kind of thing. Uh, at seven and eight. And here's what we're gonna ask you to do. Um, would you let us know which one you intend to come to? That's not because we have tickets that we require people to get before they can come to worship. What it does is it just helps us know which services are looking kind of full so we can communicate to you in advance and go, hey guys, it looks like a ton of people are coming to the four o'clock, consider going to another one. So if you can let us know which one, that would be fantastic. We're excited to celebrate the good news that God is with us and he came and walked among us. We're excited to celebrate Christmas together with you. Hey, over the past several years, um, we've had a lot of goodbyes in this congregation of saying bye to leaders as they go on to do other things. Um, and we've talked about some of that last week. Tonight, we're gonna talk about a transition that thankfully is not a goodbye. Uh, it's just a change of responsibility. Cholas, you wanna come join us? Hey, um, Man, I have known this family uh, since, since high school days. We went to high school together and college together, um, have gotten to, to serve alongside uh, Ryan and Brooke in a lot of different ways. And um, I can tell you, when I first came to Fellowship Saturday night, before it was Mosaic, I don't know how many years ago it was, what struck me the first time I came to a service here was the unique experience of worship the almost tangible sense of the presence of Christ made known in this place, um, sitting under Russell Dorch's leadership. And there was something special about the worship culture at Fellowship Mosaic. And, um, and over all the changes that have taken place over the last 
20 years of this congregation, one thing that has been, we have been stewarded and shepherded in and that has been preserved is a unique desire to praise Jesus and have an incredible time of worship every time we gather. And, and Ryan and Brooke together have done an amazing job um, over the last, how many years have y'all been with Mosaic staff? Uh, five years. Five years of shepherding the worshiping body. And I'm so thankful, even as, as my wife and I came back to Mosaic, one of the first things I noticed is the worship is still what it was. And, uh, and they have preserved that and shepherded that so well. And um, I was excited to, to be on a team with Ryan. And uh, he, he sat me down and said, the Lord is leading me to something different um, in my career and vocation right now. And they told me like, hey, our hearts for this congregation have not changed at all. Like we still love this church and we're gonna continue to be a part of worship leadership at Fellowship Mosaic. But Ryan has got an opportunity to launch out into business as a craftsman, uh, doing a skill that he loves um, as a carpenter, doing some really cool things. And so he's gonna transition into that. We're still gonna see Ryan and Brooke leading us in worship. They're still part of this family, but they are having a job transition. And so we just wanted to honor them, let y'all know what's up and say thank you for the way they have shepherded our body. Could you say thank you to them now? And I wanna just say a prayer over their family as we commission them into this next phase. Lord, thank you for Ryan. Thank you for the way um, he has done that incredible task of week in, week out, ushering us into the presence of our God, leading us to praise you, to encounter you, leading us in intentional times of prayer, of putting true and honoring words on the lips of your people to sing to you. Thank you for the way that he has equipped others to do the same, for the way he has built a culture. And thank you for the way Brooke um, has done that as well in her own right as a leader of this congregation in worship and the way that she has shepherded us and guided us in our times of praising you. And as they have a, a work transition coming up for their family, I pray that you'll just bless them. Um, I pray that as Ryan steps into a, a different kind of craftsmanship, um, that it will be fulfilling that he will bring beauty um, to Northwest Arkansas through the gifts and the skills that you've given him um, and that his family will continue to experience intimacy with you um, and blessing in this congregation uh, and that they will image, represent God in their neighborhood, in their church, and in the world. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this family. We praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And one of the things that's really cool, you can clap again for him, that's okay. You wanna go that way? One of the qualities of leadership that we saw in First Timothy is that discipleship is something that happens in the home, that we wanna see families that honor Jesus in the way they raise their kids. And so it's really fitting that part of what we get to do in talking about the, the Chola story tonight is celebrate the baptism of Charlie, their son. So I'm gonna hand it over to Ryan um, as he gets ready to, to celebrate new life. And just the way we do this, guys, this is a party and a celebration of new life. And so we, this is not like the kind of church setting where you have to be somber and quiet. And so if hypothetically you wanted to celebrate loudly with Charlie, this is a, that's a very appropriate thing to do whenever we're done. Yeah, thank you guys. And just to continue, it has been such an honor to lead you week in and, and week out. And Brooke and I are so excited to sit in the seats with you uh, and, and worship alongside you for years to come. This is Charlie. Uh, he's my boy. He's nine years old and uh, gave his life to Jesus a few years ago. 
and has been asking ever since to be baptized. And um, as uh, parents that often forget what we're doing all the time, we've uh, we've put it off a little bit too long maybe for his sake. And so uh, he's been excited to do this, and we thought, what a better night to do it. Uh, when asking Charlie, hey, man, what do you want me to say on your behalf? And he's like, maybe just tell everyone my favorite verse, which is John 15, 13. Greater love has no man than this, but to lay down one's life for a friend. And uh, Charlie believes this wholeheartedly, right, son? Yeah. All right, buddy, go ahead. Let's sit down. Is it your testimony, Charlie, that you're a believer in Jesus Christ and want to follow him all your days? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, you are buried in Christ with baptism, raised to walk in the newness of life. Praise the Lord. Hey, one last thought. Part of, part of our dream, part of what we want to see happen in this church is that we're all conformed to be more like Jesus and to serve God in our giftedness. And so one of the things we always talk about is who are you bringing up to do what you do? And some of those really exciting, even though it, it, it scared a lot of us to think about a transition with Ryan stepping out. Uh, when Ryan and I first had that conversation, we said, so Ryan, who, who steps into your role? And, and I barely had the sentence out of my mouth before he said, Kyle Jackson. No doubt about it. And I made three other phone calls that day to different leaders around fellowship and said, hey, Ryan's transitioning. Who should, Kyle Jackson. Instant answer. Um, and we've gotten to see this guy uh, lead in a lot of ways. Um, he's been a part of the, the fellowship, the Rogers Sunday morning congregation for the last several years. And, uh, and so Meredith serves in the community ministry here. And I am so thankful that Kyle agreed that he's gonna step in and continue leading the worship team here at Mosaic. So... Kyle? Man, what a joy. Uh, just seeing Charlie's face as he came out of the water, uh, just a huge, huge grin, and it's a blessing. Church, I wanna invite you to stand with us as we worship King Jesus tonight. And we're gonna start off with this, this image on the screen that our, our prayer ministry is really bringing to light. And we're gonna focus on these middle three words. We want Fellowship Mosaic to be a place where you can come and relax, refocus, and rest the love of Christ. We hope that it's a gift to serve together on Saturday nights and that's just gonna be our plan going forward. That Mosaic would be a place of refuge where we can come relax, refocus and rest. And tonight I wanna invite you to particularly just focus on Emmanuel, God with us. He's here in this moment and the whole story of scripture tells us this plan that he has to be close with us. So I wanna invite you into process that tonight as we worship. And as we continue, I'd love to read our Advent prayer for the night written by one of our um, incredible volunteers. It says, who is this king who came to a world that was in desperate search of purpose to be the fulfillment of our joy? Who is this king, the king of compassion and delight who came to wake us up to the joy of knowing him? Would you say this with me? Jesus, king of joy. Thank you, Jesus, for freeing us to know you, for the confidence that there is truly no other, for the intricacies of your heart that you have us to joyfully discover. We draw near to you, Jesus, and right here we will remain, because you, Christ, are our joy, and we come alive in the shadow of your wings. 
Unsteady are the days we face, like shifting shadows they will change. You knew we'd experience beauty, but you knew too we'd be met by deep pain. So King Jesus, when we're weary in the trial, when the worldly happiness takes leave, we'll come to you, shepherd of our soul, to give thanks and to sing, amen. We'll submit it to you in our worship, our forever worthy King. We'll celebrate your goodness, we'll dance, we'll shout, and we'll sing. Though it's hard to press on when the night feels long, we take joy because you have not changed. You're still good. You're still worthy of your name. Jesus, our good news, you have sealed inexpressible and glorious joy in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, and it will not be stolen. Oh, the joy of Christ dwelling with us today. Oh, the joy of anticipating your return. Oh, the joy of an eternity with you. Would you say this with me? Jesus, King of joy, thank you for coming. You're changing everything. Let's worship.
offering. Would you say this prayer with me, church? Oh, Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these things and to use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiply the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give can match your great gift to us, your Son and your Spirit. Amen.
praise you and we thank you. You are so, so good. Oh, you're so good. And Lord, we can find joy in that when everything feels bad and hard and messy because you are good, because you are faithful, because you love us, Lord, that is joy. We find it. We thank you for providing it for us. Lord, I pray that we offer our joy to you tonight in every way we can. We love you, Lord. Amen. You can take a seat. It's my joy to get to introduce someone I, we, we could call a guest teacher, um, but he is a, a member of our family here at Fellowship Mosaic um, who will be a familiar face to many of you, but a, a new face to some. And if I tried to tell you a, a resume for Dr. Gary Oliver, um, I'd have to take the entire time of a sermon just telling you what all he's done, all the different ways he's served uh, the church across the country and the world. Um, he's the, the director of the Center for Healthy Relationships out at John Brown. He's also a professor of counseling and practical theology. Um, and maybe instead of, of telling you all the things he means to so many people, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what he means to me. Um, as a member of our congregation, um, when, when I was in a, a pretty low, difficult place in my life, um, I was hurting deeply and a lot of pain um, and really confused about a lot of things. Uh, Gary said, hey, Nick, I'd, I'd be willing to walk with you through this. Um, and he became a spiritual mentor and father to me. Who He became that person that I could share the stuff that's really scary and embarrassing to share with anyone um, in, in incredible safety. And, and he walked me through and has led me to what it looks like to really know and experience the Father's love in my life and to begin to integrate what it looks like to be healthy physically, emotionally, and spiritually before God. Um, and he has served me and so many other people in our congregation really across the globe in doing that. So um, the fact that he would be with us tonight to talk about experiencing the joy that comes from King Jesus is an incredible joy to me. So um, uh, let's welcome Gary Oliver to come talk to us. Thank you, my friend, for those kind words. Uh, excuse me, back with you tonight. And tonight we get to talk about experiencing sovereign joy. Now, we talked a lot about joy in the Advent season, but uh, sovereign joy might be a new concept for you. And uh, this is the kind of joy that the angels announce to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, a very well-known passage. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Glad tidings of great joy. And I remember one of my questions has always been, is, is there a difference between um, joy, happiness, what we talk about commonly, and the joy that the angels announced to the shepherds, the joy that the Bible talks about. And for much of my life, I, I, I knew about the word joy. In fact, I grew up in a Christian home. I went to Sunday school 12 years and didn't miss a Sunday. So when we went on vacation, I had to have, uh, we would visit a church, and I would have the Sunday school teacher write a note that Gary was in Sunday school and David. So for 12 years, I didn't miss a Sunday. And by the time I got out of high school, I had memorized hundreds of Bible verses, literally. I went to a Christian university, and uh, I majored in education psychology, but 
during those four years, I also had to have a year of Bible. Then I went to seminary, and I had five years of graduate and postgraduate theology. And during that time, I spent years studying Greek and Hebrew. So I went into, uh, you know, what are the Hebrew words for joy? What are the Greek words for joy? The context of joy. So I, I knew all about joy. I wrote papers on joy. I sang songs about joy. I, I had some stuff in some of the books I wrote about joy. But I discovered that while I, I knew about joy, I fully didn't grasp the unique reality of the joy that God talks about and joy offers us. In fact, it took a long, dark, and very painful about six, seven-year winter for me to understand the uniqueness, the uniqueness of God's joy, of, of, of Advent joy, of what I like to call sovereign joy, and how God's joy is so much different and more unique than mere happiness. Now, happiness and joy, we use those interchangeably, and that's great. I love to be happy. But the joy that the Bible talks about really is different. So tonight, my hope is that when you leave here, you'll not just know more about joy, about the word joy and where it comes from, and maybe have some new ideas and why I never heard that before. And, uh, but my hope is that more than that, you won't just have more information but maybe you'll have more heart knowledge. Maybe understand how you can enjoy and experience sovereign joy whether or not you're happy, whether or not things are going good or bad, a unique kind of joy. Let me give you a quick backstory of, of how I got this education about joy. Uh, in 2005, early 2005, I buried my dad. I buried my mom a few years earlier, and about... Two months, three months after that, my, my late wife, Carrie, was diagnosed with metastatic pancreatic cancer. It was inoperable, there's nothing they could do, and they gave her three to six months to live. God gave her a bit longer. Uh, and uh, then the next year, uh, I had my fifth cancer surgery. I had chemotherapy and radiation, and in the radiation, I lost my voice. So I wrote the doctor a note and I said, uh, when will my voice come back? And he said, well, there's a 50-50 chance it will come back. And I thought, I mean, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, uh, but I thought, well, that means there's a 50-50 chance it won't come back. Well, after four or five months, my, my, my voice did come back, and I, I had a number of months recovering from um, the very aggressive chemo and radiation. In 2007, or in 2007, my middle son, Matt, died. And two months after that, my wife of then 27 years, Carrie, went to be with the Lord. In 2008, one year later, my only sibling, my sister, Marcia, died. So in four years, I buried my dad, my wife of 27 years, my middle son, and my sister. So I buried my entire biological family and half of my current family. And there really aren't words to describe any of those losses. And, uh, but having those back-to-back -back while still fighting my own cancer, about a year and a half later, um, I went back down to MD Anderson, and uh, my cancer had come back. And I remember waking up after surgery 
And uh, <clears throat> I was in ICU. I'd been on a ventilator for several days. And I can still see the doctor at the end of the bed. I had tubes everywhere. I mean, I had tubes where nobody should ever have to have a tube. <laughs> in fact, they made new holes to put more tubes in. It was very embarrassing. Uh, and um, they had, uh, my, my head was swollen from the surgeries. They had sewn my mouth shut so I couldn't say anything. And uh, what happened is, he said, we had to take away 80% of your tongue. And we took muscle off your leg and put it in your mouth. So what you have in your mouth is mostly muscle from your leg, 20% is your real tongue. And uh, you know, some people have their foot in their mouth, I have my whole leg in my mouth, okay. And um, he said, um, you'll never speak again, you'll probably never speak again, you may be able to utter a few sentences and some words, you'll never speak again. He said, uh, you'll never be able to taste properly, you probably lost all of your taste buds, your salivary glands. Uh, you won't be able to chew. You have a hard time swallowing. And so you'll probably have a feeding tube the rest of your life. I have never experienced a longer, darker, harder winter. In fact, to be quite candid, many days success was getting out of bed and just putting one foot in front of the next. I mean, I, I, I love Jesus, I knew the word, I love the Lord, I've been serving him, and, but, uh, and I had walked with people through all kinds of darkness and hard times and losses. But there was just no words for this one. You know, one of my boys' favorite books was Alexander's uh, Terrible, Awful, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Well, I had a terrible, awful, horrible, no good, very bad six, seven years. And, in the, and but, but, but here's the good news. In the middle of this, I sent God saying, Gary, I want you to do a deep dive on the word joy. <laughs> and I remember, yeah, <laughs> right, really? Seriously? Like, can I get another opinion? <laughs> uh, because if there was anything I wasn't having, it, it, it was joy. And so I took God seriously and I started asking God, okay, so what is joy? I mean, I know the Greek, I know the Hebrew, I, I have the first example, what is joy? I mean, I read about it, sang about it, and God gave me three kind of simple discoveries. The first one is this, the first aha, knowing what the Bible says about something and knowing how to apply it can be two different things. I mean, we can have all kinds of information but knowing how to apply it to be two massively different things. The scribes and the Pharisees knew the word. In fact, they had, some had the entire Pentateuch memorized. They had more of the Bible memorized than most of us do, but when the Messiah came, their head knowledge didn't transfer to heart knowledge. They not only missed him, but they crucified him. Their problem was not a lack of information. Their problem wasn't a lack of knowledge. They knew good stuff, but they missed them. A, a second discovery. A primary objective in Jesus' teaching is that you and I might experience joy. I, I didn't realize this, but did you know that the word joy, joyous, joyful, occurs over 200 times in the Bible? And, and the verb rejoice occurs over 200 times. Psalm 1611, a great passage. In thy presence is fullness of joy. 
In thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. In the Last Supper, when Christ is talking to his disciples, John 15, these things I have spoken to you, that you may be filled with my joy, and that your joy may overflow. You all heard these verses before. John 16, 20, 23, 24. Truly I say to you that you will have sorrow, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. Whatever you ask of the Father, he will give it to you in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. Now, I want you to notice something about those verses that I, I really had noticed. Psalm, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Not just a wee bit of joy, but fullness of joy. These things I've spoken, that you might be filled with my joy, not, not maybe have a few, but, but filled with my joy, and that your joy may overflow. It's like I have a cup and saucer, and, and I get uh, joy poured into the cup. It fills the cup, it runs over into the saucer, and it runs onto the table. And then the John 16, your sorrow will be turned to joy, that your joy may be made full. And then Romans chapter 15, 13, may the God of all hope fill you with joy. So those are my first two discoveries. My third discovery was this, God's joy. And this was a big aha for me. You guys may know this, but, but, but God's joy is different than the world's happiness. Joy is not a synonym for happy in, in God's lexicon. Now, in the world, we use joy as a synonym for happiness, and, and that's okay. But to God's perspective, it's not the same. You see, happy, one of the words for happy is chance. So if by chance good things happen to happen to us, we're happy. But if by chance bad things happen to happen to us, we're not happy. Happiness depends on chance. Our happiness is determined by our circumstances. God's joy is independent of circumstances. That's a big deal. The biblical definition of joy tells us that joy is more than just a feeling of pleasure and happiness. Joy comes and is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It comes from abiding in his presence and from a firm hope in his promises. And the amazing thing is, my friends, I discovered that we can experience God's joy in the midst of dark and difficult and lonely and discouraging and depressing, lights out, difficulty and pain. And I can say that not because I've read about it, but I've been there. I spent a long time there. I lived it. Romans 5, through 5, we also have joy in the midst of our sufferings. In James chapter 1, James says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter problems because, and then James unpacks that. So joy is dependent on who Jesus is and what he's promised and not just what's happening around us. So those three discoveries were like, wow, okay. And then my question becomes, well, God, so how can I experience, how can I cultivate sovereign joy? And here's where we get real practical. <clears throat> he showed me four simple, basic, basic practical choices 
that we can make to experience sovereign joy. Number one, choose to set your mind on things above. Research tells us that 80% of our thoughts, you know how you always have background noise in your mind and you maybe think about something and another thought comes in or I found sometimes I'm even in prayer and, and, and I'm praying away and some bizarre, strange thought comes into my mind. So we have all this background noise in our minds. Now, some of you may not have this background noise in your mind, but if you very subtly look over at the person on your right, just look at them, okay? They have that background noise. So if you don't, the person sitting next to you probably does. And so uh, it's so easy for this kind of, uh, of depressive clamor to bring about fear, what ifs? What if this happens and what if that happens? And think about it, guys. 99% of our wages are ne negative. As a clinical psychologist, I've never had a, a client come and say, Dr. Oliver, need that. I, I need your help because I'm having all these what ifs. Like, what if things get better? What, what, what if God's faithful? What if I can trust him? But, you know, almost all of our what ifs are negative. We catastrophize, uh, we minimize the positive and Boy, I tell you, that leads to fear. Fear leads to anxiety, discouragement, depression, hopelessness, helplessness, despair. That's how it goes. I've experienced it as a person, and I spent over 35,000 hours, literally, face-to-face -face with people. And thousands of times, I've seen the effect that that has. It's so easy to let that become of our focus and, discuss, and, and distort our perspective. Guys, I can't control, you can't control the thoughts that enter our minds, but we can choose where we set our mind. I can choose what I think about, what I focus on, what I dwell on. I can choose what, <clears throat> when I notice something, what I stare at, what I start checking out. I can choose what's on my computer screen. I can choose a button I click to, to, to go to something that looks interesting. I can choose what I stare at, what I think about, what I ponder. I can choose what I fantasize about. I can choose what I lust after. I can choose all that. Eh? Or I can choose to set my mind on things above Colossians chapter 3, 1 and 2. Paul says, first of all, Paul says, set your hearts on things above. And then he says in that same passage, set your minds on things above. Paul's saying, set your hearts, your desires, your passions. Set those on things above. And then set your mind. Here's what you feel. Here's what you think about. And whatever we set our mind often impacts our desires for good or for bad, for healthy or for unhealthy. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers, whatever's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, he goes on, let your mind dwell, let your mind abide, let your mind rest on these things. Choice number two was, Gary, you can choose to count your blessings and be thankful. 
Yeah, you know, there's an old hymn, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one. My hunch is that all of us had a place to stay last night. We had a home or a house. When's the last time that you thank God for where you live? Uh, most of you were able to walk in here tonight, okay? About five months ago, I had to come in the back in a scooter because I had broken some bones in my ankle. And uh, it's vastly overrated, uh, okay? And I really had not thanked God a lot that I could walk in. But you, most of you walked in tonight. Most of you have had some food to eat today. Some of you have had a lot of food to eat today. I'm not judging, okay? And some of us are going to have a lot more during Christmas, eh? Um, when's the last time that you thanked God for your food? I had never thanked God for my tongue before I lost it. Never, you know. Everyone has a tongue, no big deal. Hey, Bubba, it's a big deal. And, 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 and taste, I, I didn't thank God for, for my taste. You know, <clears throat> after several days in ICU and then into the main area, they let me go to a friend's house in Houston, but I had to stay uh, in Houston for months and go to the hospital every day because Oftentimes, many, if not most, of these surgeries, the body doesn't accept uh, the transplant, so they have to do it two or three more times sometimes. So I went back to the hospital every day. On my way to a friend's house, I knew there was a, a Chick-fil-A on the left. And so we're starting to drive by it, and I turned to my wife, and uh, <clears throat> my mouth is sewn shut, okay? I, I can't talk. I have my bottle of breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because <laughs> I couldn't eat. Uh, and uh, I turned, and, and I went, mm. And she looked over and said, yeah, Chick-fil-A. And I said, mm, 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 mm. She said, you want to go to Chick-fil-A? Mm. She said, well, honey, you can't. I said that in love, okay? I said that in love, okay? Don't judge. Um, and so we pulled in, and she got a coat, went and parked. And I took that coat. And I took the straw. And somehow, my mouth was so shut, but I was able to get a part of the straw in the corner of my mouth. And I, I tried to inhale. And all of a sudden, I started sobbing uncontrollably. I mean, I'm sobbing. And my wife looks over and says, there's something wrong. And I looked over. What happened was, I was able to taste a tiny drop of Coke. And how pathetic. Dr. Oliver in her car, sobbing because he didn't taste a sip of Coke. Hey, when you've been told you're probably never tasted again, that's a big deal. I never thought I would lose it over a sip of Coke, but I could taste it. Well, now I thank God for my taste. I thank God for my tongue. I still have problems eating, but I, I, I thank God I don't have a feeding tube. You see, it's easy for us to ignore what's going well and focus on the native. That's part of the 80% background noise uh, in, in our mind. It's easy for us to ignore what works, what we have, 
and forgives his blessings. So choose to count your blessings and be thankful. You see, when I count my blessings, counting our blessings doesn't remove the problem. This is not about pretending I don't have problems, going to some, uh, some la-la land. No, it means embracing our problems, facing our pain, facing our stuff, and at the same time, remembering who we are because of whose we are. Remembering his promises to us. When I count my blessings, it restores our hope it renews our faith, and it refreshes our spirit. Choice number three, choose to claim God's promises. You see, over time, I discovered that God's promises are more powerful than Satan's pessimism. I can believe my mood, or I can believe God. I have a choice. So it's so easy for us to have a problem focus. And when we focus on the problem, our problem focus leads to fear. And fear blinds us to hope. It's kind of like this. This is a normal-sized Bible. So if I, if I hold it out here, I, I can see it's a normal-sized Bible. But if I put it here, okay, and I, I just look at this, well, this is larger than about 200 people. If I put it here, this is larger than the entire Mosaic congregation. If I walk to the edges of Grand Canyon very carefully... I can say that my Bible is larger than the entire Grand Canyon. And man, does it take a stud to hold a Bible that large. What a hunk. Now, now, if you guys think I'm serious, then you know I'm more than a few bubbles off plumb. Okay? You know I'm not playing with a full deck. Okay? Yeah. Our perspective. We become the prisoners of our problems when I have a problem focus. A problem focus leads to fear and blinds us to hope. A promise focus produces faith and gives us hope. Do you all see the difference? I mean, it looks easy, but boy, it's a process. We have to learn how to practice again and again and again over time. Matthew 6.33, but, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will give you everything that you need. <clears throat> Romans 8, 28. And we know that God can cause all things to work together for good to those who love God and those called according to his purpose. And Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think. Not now unto him who can do some good stuff. Not under him who makes make us feel better once in a while, not under him who can do uh, what we ask or think, but now under him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we ask or think. Uh, you know, <clears throat> either that means something or, or, or it doesn't. When God inspires Paul to write that, either we can trust that or, or we can't. Now, it's not magic, it doesn't happen overnight. Either God is sovereign or he isn't. And time and time again, I sense God saying to me, Gary, you know, either I'm sufficient or I'm not. Either you can trust me or, or you can't. Am I big enough? You've spent your whole life telling people I'm sovereign. You've spent almost your whole life helping people understand me and trust in me. Well, am I adequate? 
Am I sufficient? Do you really believe it? In over 35 years as a clinical psychologist, I found that our focus becomes our filter. What I choose to focus and dwell on becomes my filter. Our interpretation becomes in reality. And when I step into pain and uncertainty and darkness through faith, amazing things can happen. Okay, number one, choose to set your mind on things above. Okay. Choose to count your blessings, number two, and be thankful. Not for what's happening, but for who God is. Number three, choose to claim God's promises. And four, this is simple, choose to obey and act on what you know to be true. It's not rocket science. It's like that Nike commercial, just do it. I've learned, my friends, that Advent joy, God's joy, real joy is more than a mood. A mood invades us. We don't choose a mood. Bad moods happen. That'd be a good bumper sticker. Bad moods happen. Anyway. Um, but sovereign joy is always a choice. The abundant Christian life is a life beyond moods. It's a life where we learn to become more than conquerors, where we choose sovereign joy, where we, where we refuse to become the puppets of our problems and the slaves of our circumstances. And there have been seasons in my life where I've been a puppet of my problems. It's like the marionettes in that sound and music scene where someone pulls the strings and I wasn't letting the Lord do his job. We can become puppets of our problems and slaves of our circumstances. Choosing joy, <clears throat> and this is important, choosing joy does not mean denying reality. It does not mean pretending everything's fine. It means embracing a bigger reality and putting the temporal in light of the eternal. Choosing joy means believing that God is not just a promise maker, but a promise keeper. So now what? So now what? Well, I, I want to invite you for the next seven days, just seven days, to make a decision to choose sovereign joy. Try it. Just try it for seven days to practice the four simple choices that I've talked about tonight. And it has a really, really very, very simple start, okay? We start by setting our minds on things above. Doesn't take long. Count your blessings, claim God's promises, and obey and act on what you know to be true. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you glad tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. At Bethlehem, the angels announced to the shepherds a great joy for all people. At the Last Supper, as Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. This Christmas, I want to invite you to join me in choosing a faith focus and a, problem, a promise focus and not just settle for the ha, 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 ho, ho, ho joy. That's great. I love being happy. But understand, and, and I hope as you walk out the doors tonight, you'll have a clear idea of the uniqueness not just of God's joy, 
but maybe how you can begin to claim this and appropriate this in your life to experience some real joy, that unique quality of Advent joy that started with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, we thank you that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. We thank you that you love us. And we thank you that you are a promise keeper and not just a promise maker. And we thank you for the unique quality of sovereign joy. And God, may each of us experience this in a new way during this Advent season. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Stand with us as we sing and worship. Let's lift our voice. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room in heaven in nature. Joyful. Joyful. 
there, I'd love to invite you back up as we would love for you to invite our Advent candle of joy. church, you might have received communion on the way in. If you just grab those elements, I invite you to take those. Would you take the bread, just hold it and process for a second. It's the body of Christ broken for you, church. Would you take it and would you eat? Would you take the cup as well? Church, that's the blood of Christ poured out for you. Would you take and drink tonight? Thank you for coming, church. We ask that as you leave, that the joy of Christ lives in your heart as you go. If you need prayer, we have prayer in our prayer room tonight. Over to my left and to your right. We'll see you next week, church. Go in peace.